Hello and welcome to The Poetry of Science, a podcast which provides insight into new scientific research via the medium of poetry. I'm your host, Dr Sam Illingworth, and each week I'll be introducing you to some of the latest scientific findings and sharing a selection of science-themed poetry. This episode explores new research, which has found that historical housing policies are responsible for a disproportionate exposure to dangerous climate impacts. Between streets stained red with the indelible ink of discrimination, the clammy embrace of federal excess can still be felt. Microclimates persist as green gentrification plasters over the excesses of historic housing policies, pacifying those who can now afford it with promises of shaded sycamores and miniature boating lakes. Red lines don't fade. They just coalesce into stripes, their bulging contours falling outside the peripheral vision of the purposefully blind. This poem is inspired by research published in Climate, which has found that historical housing disparities in the United States are linked with dangerous climate impacts. Recent research has shown that extreme heat kills more people in the United States than any other type of hazardous weather, and that this is likely to become even more pronounced in the coming years because of climate change. However, extreme heat does not affect all people equally, as surface temperatures can vary across the different neighbourhoods within a single city by up to 10 degrees Celsius, with many vulnerable communities disproportionately exposed to extreme heat. In this new study, researchers investigated the extent to which historic housing policies, specifically redlining, have resulted in this disparity. Beginning in the 1930s, discriminatory housing policies in the United States classified some neighbourhoods as being too hazardous for investment, outlining in these areas in red on residential security maps and denying residents in these red-lined neighbourhoods services ranging from banking and insurance to healthcare and supermarkets. While the practice of redlining was banned in 1968, these areas continued to be predominantly home to lower-income communities, By using satellite data and historic housing records for 108 cities across the United States, this study found that in 94% of cases, formerly redlined neighbourhoods were hotter than all other neighbourhoods in that city, being on average 2.6 degrees Celsius warmer than non-redlined regions. In some cities, such as Portland, Oregon and Denver, Colorado, these differences were as large as 7 degrees Celsius. The urban heat island effect occurs because the dense dark surfaces such as bitumen on roads and the building materials in large building complexes accumulate and store heat during the day and then release it at night. One of the simplest solutions to reducing the urban heat island effect is to provide more shade with trees and in general green space or water bodies within a city having been shown to correlate with cooler land surface temperatures. However these spaces have been consistently more abundant in wealthier and majority white identifying neighbourhoods. Heat disparity can also be affected by the type of buildings and building materials in a particular area. For example, roadways and large building complexes are well known to amplify the urban heat island effect, 
with previous studies indicating that US federal programs provided incentives for major roadway and building construction projects to take place in the lowest income neighbourhoods of cities. Similarly, throughout the mid-20th century, large building complexes such as industries, housing complexes and even university campuses were subsidised by the federal government and placed in redlined areas, largely due to the inexpensive land and the population of largely lower income and communities of colour. Overall, the results of this study suggest that as climate change brings heat waves of greater intensity and frequency, it is the same historically underserved and discriminated neighbourhoods that will ultimately face the greatest impact. Now that you've heard the science, let me read the poem to you again. Not all heat is made equal. Between streets stained red with the indelible ink of discrimination, the clammy embrace of federal excess can still be felt. Microclimates persist as green gentrification plasters over the excesses of historic housing policies, pacifying those who can now afford it with promises of shaded sycamores and miniature boating lakes. Red lines don't fade. They just coalesce into stripes, their bulging contours falling outside the peripheral vision of the purposefully blind. In this section of the podcast, I like to share a poem written by another poet on a topic related to the science that has been discussed so far. In this episode, I'll be reading Colourblind for Real by Mark Livinos and Quincy Hull. Quincy Hull is a poet and spoken word artist who is based in Pensacola, Florida, and his poetry collections include Tribal Initiations, Anarchisms, and Light Crabs in a Bucket. He's also released several albums of spoken word, including Anachronism, For Big Mouths and Bad Feet, and A Sun Never Forgets, Ash. Mark Livinos is also based in Penascola, Florida. His chapbooks include Panhandle Poet Solitude and Panhandle Poet Second Helpings, and his poetry appears in, amongst others, The Poet's Pen, Conceit Magazine, and Westwood Quarterly. Colourblind for Real by Mark Livinos and Quincy Hull. Why is my race your foe, needling you to lord over me, saving me from my own savagery? Why is my skin colour a phobia gnawing at your innards, making doorlocks snap as I approach? Why is my punishment swift, revealing deep-seated prejudices, exposing unrecognised biases? Why is my street flashing blue, when verdicts and fines from the 2008 meltdown are reversed? Why is my excessive heat normal, when straight powder has a lighter sentence than crack? Why is my wanting to explore unexpected when a child or brother of mine is killed? Why is my disinterest in school supervising when suspension leads to a juvenile delinquency record? Why is my broken home shocking when a JD record forces family services to see if mum is at home or work? Why can't you see how I feel when redlining my community continues as Hudson Bay Bancorp pays $33 million to make redlining allegations go away? 
Why can't you see how I feel about Democrats wanting a piece of Dr. King when they created a welfare system making fathers abandon their children? Why can't you see how I feel about Republicans when they just want another mockery of the Civil Rights Act? Why can't you see how my heroes are athletes and entertainers, not your pandering leaders? Why can't you see how I feel when the NBA reacting to LeBron going pro out of high school forces players to wait till 19 while PGA, NHL and MLB do not? Why can't you see how your rise from poverty didn't require you to deal with what I do? Why can't you see how your decades of pensions and home appreciation were denied me? Why can't you see how your decades of opportunities were never mine? Why can't you see how I feel when you just see me as another deadbeat or dealer? Why can't you see how my constant smile and nod responds to your hurtful put-downs? Why can't you see how I just want to be truthful? Why can't you see the difference is the difference within you? Why can't you see your problem doesn't emanate from me? Why can't you see I respect you when you respect me? No point our talking if you won't hear me. Thank you for listening to The Poetry of Science. If you want to find out more about the scientific study featured in this episode, or read any of the poems in full, then please visit the show notes at scipoetry.podbean.com. That's scipoetry.podbean.com, where you can also find out how to get in touch with any questions or comments you might have. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.